by accident, pure and utter fluke is uh, is how most people get into it. I think I um I had a I didn't have a pension, so I decided I needed to do something. I didn't want to get a pension. I was a financial advisor. I just you know didn't want to do that. So I thought property. Uh, went and bought a property, and uh, I just you know I was making two hundred pounds a month from a fifteen grand investment. It just didn't make sense to me. I couldn't see how it was going to make me a millionaire. It just you know I just couldn't compute it. And then um. And then I stumbled on a lease option, uh, one bed flat. I did a bit of research on that and, and just went for it. But then I couldn't get that rented. So I started to panic. And uh, I was literally having coffee with one of my friends that day. And he was just like, tell me about this Airbnb. And he, he rents his apartment. He gets £200 a night. And, you know, and my, I was like, well, my apartment's less than half a mile away. So off I went to Ikea after that coffee. 1500 quids worth of furniture and uh and that was the start of the airbnb journey and you know i i didn't have a clue what i was going to do i built it all up i took some photographs and i had like three and a half thousand pounds worth of bookings within five days and i was just like i can't i remember keep saying to my wife like have you seen this like What's up, everybody? My name's Mike Shogren here with my co-host, Emmanuel Pani. We're part of a group of specialized real estate investors you've probably never heard of. We didn't start with deep pockets or wealthy families, and we don't rely on 401ks, mutual funds, or traditional real estate investing. In fact, many of us don't even own the properties that fund our freedom. If you ask the money experts out there, they'd say what we do is impossible, yet it's happening every single day. It's happening through a new niche called short-term rentals. We are Short-Term Rental Nation, and these are our secrets. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Short-Term Rental Secrets Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Shogren, here with my main man and brother from another mother, Mr. Emmanuel Pani. What is going on, E? My brother, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time it is. Uh, life, I hired my first VA, uh, my first executive assistant, I, I should say. So it's, it's a little bit more than a VA. Uh, it's 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 kind of surreal, right? Like it's kind of surreal doing the interview. And and yesterday, both me and Tasha were like, ah, it really sucked having to do this interview. But then we're like, well, it sucked less than being the ones interviewed, right? Like it's it's kind of like as you start start growing, you go through this weird experiences that come with growth, and and you're like, who who am I to really qualify this person? But at the same time that's that's what the business is so I'm, I'm it's a mix of like really grateful and kind of just like um a little like bit of like imposter yeah yeah and you finally just ripped it exactly yeah imposter syndrome also kind of comes to mind right is the idea of like i don't know what i'm doing right like I still... <laughs> but i think i take example from from you and and, and a lot of our friends in this space and and our guest too, right? That has has units way, way, way away from where where he is, and and being able to do it through other people. Um, actually, Ryan posted something great uh, on his Instagram this morning that pretty much kind of talks about investing in your team um, and how that helps you grow. Um, so, really excited. Um, life is good. Real estate is crazy. Um, as you guys know, I we sell a lot of real estate in South Florida. That's going very well. Um, so yeah, man, I'm I'm excited. What about what about you guys? We're good, man. We're good. We're all in right now, getting this 22 unit, 22 unit ready to go. Plus, we're you know relaunching the 13 unit, um, opening April 15th. 
and found out we knew we were going to replace a bunch of windows. So that's underway as we speak. And then we found out that the, the huge deck that we have overlooking the ocean was not built properly. And mm. with all the snow punctured a hole through our club room and like started to get water in the club room. So we have to rip up this huge deck and rebuild it and uh, patch that up in the next like week. So that's a pretty, pretty hefty, unexpected expense, but it's going to look sick when it's done. Cause we decided to add a nice huge bar top section overlooking the ocean and we got our liquor license approved. So we'll be able to serve like beer and wine up there and people can chill overlooking the ocean. It's going to be awesome. So mm. a lot of work, but uh, it's really good. We've been on a hiring spree, man. I've done so many interviews over the last like three weeks. Mm. We're hiring like six different positions, which is just bananas, but it's uh, it's good, man. It's all good stuff. So. Yeah, maybe, maybe, and 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 our listeners can let us know if it would be useful. But maybe we can do an episode on on hiring, um, and and let us guys let let us know if that would be interesting to you guys. But kind of like all the different positions that you can hire for, and just kind of how to go through the interview process. I know in one of our mastermind, we went through a couple sections on on how to hire and how to do interviews. Um, and it's and it's so important to just align with the right people. Um, which is the main thing I'm really excited for this, this girl that we hired yesterday. It's a complete, complete alignment into like the personalities, um, which is very exciting in kind of growing any team really. Yeah. I love it, man. I love it. Well, let, let's dive in. Cause I'm, uh, I'm excited to yeah. introduce our buddy Ryan today. So, you know, we met Ryan through clubhouse, uh, probably a month or two ago and just, you know, really hit it off you know, met some amazing people through that app, you know, from every corner of the globe. So Ryan was based out of the UK. Now he's going, kind of going back and forth between the UK and Dubai. He's currently at over 130 properties. Uh, we were just talking offline. He's targeting to get to 200 by June. Um, you know, so he's doing this at massive scale in multiple countries. And uh, it's, it's pretty inspiring every time we talk to him and just see his growth and everything that he's building. And he's just, super knowledgeable, but also super willing to share, which I really respect about him. And he's super giving every time we jump on clubhouse together, he's always adding tons of value. And uh, I'm really excited to have him on here. So Ryan, without further ado, man, welcome to the show. Thanks guys. Pleasure to be here. Pleasure to be here. Absolutely, man. So kind of give us your backstory. Like how did you get into the whole short-term rental industry? Um, by accident, pure and utter fluke. Is uh, is how most people get into it. I think I um, I had a I didn't have a pension, so I decided I needed to do something. I didn't want to get a pension. I was a financial advisor. I just you know didn't want to do that. So I thought property. Uh, went and bought a property, and uh, I just you know I was making two hundred pounds a month from a fifteen grand investment. It just didn't make sense to me. I couldn't see how it was going to make me a millionaire. It just you know I just couldn't compute it. And then um, and then I stumbled on a lease option. Uh, one bed flat I did a bit of research on that and, and just went for it but then I couldn't get that rented so I started to panic and uh, I was literally having coffee with one of my friends that day and he was just like tell me about this Airbnb and he, he rents his apartment he gets 200 pound a night and you know and my, I was like well my apartment's less than half a mile away so off I went to Ikea after that coffee 1500 quids worth of furniture and uh, and that was the start of the Airbnb journey and you know I I didn't have a clue what I was going to do. I built it all up. I took some photographs and I had like three and a half thousand 
pounds worth of bookings within five days. And I was just like, I kept, I remember keep saying to my wife, like, have you seen this? Like, have you, like, have you seen this? And, um, yeah. And it just, and then you're hooked aren't you? It's a drug at the end of the day. You're like, you see it and then you're hooked and, and it just mm. snowballed, you know? And then I discovered rent to rent as we call it, rental arbitrage, as you guys call it. I realized I could move a hell of a lot quicker. Um, uh, acquired 21 properties in seven months, pretty much on my own. And, um, and then I blew up and then I blew up. So talking about the employees and, um, you know, it's a, I've got about 40 staff now. So, you know, it's, um, I needed them staff, you know, because at that point when I blew up, I was in hospital. Uh, I almost took three months out to just regroup and decide, am I going to sell this or just get rid of it, wind it down? Or have I got something and is it worth bottling up and, and taking forward? So luckily I chose that decision and, and then just, you know, just studied systems, processes, automation, you know, I've always led people. I've always, I've always had job roles where I've been, you know, managers of teams or, you know, had, had, you know, even at school, I was captain of the, the sports teams. And so I think I've got that sort of leadership quality um, or, you know, just putting my arm around people and wanting the best for everybody. So I think that serves me and that probably gives me the inspiration to want to build bigger and bigger teams. Cause I know a lot of people in our space, um, you know, no, for example, you know, you, you've got an amazing business, but it's kind of one block. So you don't need as many staff and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and some people just don't want staff, you know, and, 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 and I get that as well. But I, I need them. I needed them then. I probably would have been further ahead had I got them after maybe five properties and not when I put myself in hospital. Um, so so that's kind of how I got into it. And uh, I've not really looked back since. How many years ago was that was the beginning? um less than three maybe wow. maybe yeah. less than that so, so that's, uh, that's some truly two and a half years something like that growth. yeah wow yeah. so um so yeah we're um we uh, well I'm, I'm i'm hoping we'll continue to push this year and uh, um my ultimate goal i don't know why and i don't know where this figures come from but i've said it from day one is uh i want a thousand properties by the time i'm 40 um i don't know why People ask me why I say I don't know, but it's just been a number that I've sort of from day one said that's what I'm going to do, and um, and that's what I'm kind of hunting down and chasing down. So mm. that's awesome. you're well on your way, man. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Man, so you're you're at about 130 now, right? And you're pushing for about 200 by the summer. Yeah, so about well, it's about I think about 140, maybe maybe something like that. Um, yeah, I want to push push to about well over 200 in about 210 by by the end of june um and then i want to see that at like probably uh 350 by by year end um you know and then that'll be a good year and and then we'll regroup and and go again next year i'm 37 just gone so i've got three years and um and then i tell you what what changed for me was um so i've got like a managed business a rental arbitrage business and i i have my owned assets as well so I'm now developing blocks of stuff as opposed to buying single dwellings. So I've kind of, I've done that over the last couple of years, buy single dwellings. Now I've got the money to be able to go into the bigger development. So I've got a block of 16 flats in development at the minute, uh, 12 months time, they'll be launched and we'll run every single one of them on short-term rentals. So that's kind of where the, the asset focus is going. Um, but I, I, I really have to, it was actually after hearing Julie speak when we first met about how she built her managed business up and then sold it for quite, quite a sum of money. That kind of gave me a bit of a, 
um, different angle on the managed business, should we say? And and you know, and and that's kind of so now I've got it, you know, separated it out, and I'm, I'm kind of pushing the managed business hard both here in Dubai, and then you know we'll kind of see where that goes as I get to that forty point. That that's kind of maybe my exit plan for that. <clears throat> since since that. you you go across pretty much all the different models, right? Which is which is what I love about this this interview, the show. Um, what would you say your pro and cons are for for each one of them? So if one of our listeners is kind of in that in the beginning or they have one unit that is theirs and they want to grow, how, how would you help them? What would you say? Yeah, I, I think having a, a nice blend is is the way forward because um, you, you, my owned short term rental units, uh, that's the most profitable line in my business, more than my houses, of multiple occupancy, more than my single lets. Um, obviously more than my rent to rents and so on. So, um, so if you can own them and do this, it's like the margins are huge. Um, obviously the rental margins shrink because we're paying more rent. We typically pay the market rent to make it work for everybody. And, um, you know, and, but the rent to rent, you can move so much quicker. So, you know, you can, you can pick up five, 10 this week if you want. And, you know, if you work on an average of whatever, $500,000, you know, that's, that's an extra lot of money in your bank account each year. You know, and, and it's just how quick do you want to go? How quick can you get them set up and cash flow? Them? So um, so I think what I did was I didn't really I didn't take any money out of the business for a few years. So um, it's only recently I've started taking money out of the business and I just pumped it all back into buying more assets. And then I'd run those assets back on short term rentals and make bigger profits. And then I'd, all the profits would go back in again. And it was just like a cycle. And then I kind of got asked to, to manage a block by just by, you know, getting on social media and doing what I do. And, and someone tapped me on the shoulder and said, listen, uh, guy's been, the guy I know has been let down. He's got a block of flats uh, in your area. Do you want to manage them? I was like, yeah, I don't see why not. It'll just fit into the model. I hadn't really thought about it. And obviously that's a much less risk game for us. So I think you have, you know, your own stuff, which is, I don't see that as risky at all because worst case, you can flip that onto a tenancy if need be. Uh, you've got rent to rent, which can be quite risky if you're, Although saying that, it's it's only risky if you're not doing proper due diligence and you don't know how to get into a property right. Um, if you do, then it's a, it's a great profit venture. And then obviously the managed is kind of almost no risk, but obviously it's probably a lot more work for the amount of money that you get. So it's it's a good balance. Um, and, and that's kind of how I've got the business set up. And, and you know, it, it all just works under one. So my team, uh, I on purposely don't let them know which ones are mine, which ones are rented, which ones are owned, because I give them direct booking targets and I don't want them to prioritize any of my properties over somebody else's. I just want the right fit for the guest. So I just, you know, they, they don't know. So they just go out and, and that's how I've got them commissioned. And, and, and we have a really good direct booking game. We're at about, I think it was 68% last month. So, you know, mm. we've got a good direct booking game. Awesome. So I, I kind of love what you talked about because it's actually very, um, very interesting because I think we have usually the people go either one or two ways, kind of prefer one over the other. Obviously, ownership is is, is always the best. Um, when you said your you have a direct book inside, so how does that work? So all all of your UK properties, I assume you list on, on Airbnb and, and whatnot, but you also have your your direct site. So your team gets a lead and then they see everything that you have open in the UK, or do you have multiple booking sites based on whatever is a single property or an apartment block. So we've got, um, we've got a few different models. The, the current model is we do everything under our umbrella. When I first started the management gig off, it was a lot of co-hosting and, and that sort of stuff. And I'm trying to like 
dwindle out of that, should we say? Um, but no, my, my team are just, um, they're just driven to, uh, I give them a target. And so majority of the diet bookings, they'll come in from say booking.com on a one week booking. And then they're motivated to try and find out, you know, how long you're staying for, are you in the area? We deal a lot in the contractor market. So, you know, we, these guys are coming back week after week after week. So we then harvest that into four, five, six month bookings, uh, you know, four nights a week, five nights a week. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they're commissioned to do that. So uh, that works really well for us. And then I've got a whole host of strategies to find direct bookings, including sitting outside McDonald's on a Wednesday morning and waiting for the vans to come in and, you know, loads of just getting the numbers of the out-of-area companies and giving them a ring, seeing why they're in McDonald's on 7 a.m. on a Wednesday morning. But, um, yeah, there's, there's, it's, it's about activity. It's a, it's a sales game that, you know, that is no different to a call center who have to outbound, reach out, and, and hit sales targets. Mm. So I'm curious on this because this is something I'm actually working on with my team to try and set up some type of commission structure, right, to generate more direct booking. So, and feel comfortable sharing whatever you you feel comfortable with. But like, what? <laughs> how does that look like? Like, are you feeding them leads, or do they are they responsible to go out and generate leads, and then they get a percentage of the booking, or, or what does that look like for you? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I um. I have just literally today been working on this because the old commission structure was if they brought a book into the table themselves. So if they went out van stalking or if they, you know, started ringing some companies on LinkedIn or whatever it might be, if they brought that to the table, I would give them 10% of the commission. Um, So, but what I'm finding is we are probably more powerful at converting our existing database into longer direct bookings. Um, so I'm changing the commission structure slightly. So they get paid on direct bookings of uh, the overall direct bookings of the company as opposed to, and yes, those leads will have probably come from booking.com initially, you know, and, and all that, but it's the effort that they do to pick the phone up, build the relationship, work with these guys and get them booked in for more. Um, and then get the repeat booking after that, when they leave site and the new team comes on. So, um, I'm looking at around maybe 1% of the total direct booking value because, you know, obviously we were running at quite a high percentage. So that's, that's quite a sum of money to, to a guest handler over a quarter. So it'll be somewhere around that figure. I think is, is kind of 1%. Okay. And then on the business development side to go from 130 or 140 to 200 in the next couple of months, what does that engine look like? What does that system look like for you guys to go out and find more deals? Yeah, so I've got um, I've got a, I've actually got a spot open in the UK because uh, we just part a company with with uh, someone, and um, so I've got a, I've got two people in the UK, uh, who are tasked with you know um, speaking with agents and uh, getting on Facebook, you know, and just finding deals basically, you know, and and they're they're commissioned to find those deals, uh, that can be in the form of a rent to rent deal or it can be in the form of a managed deal, um, and then I have my asset acquisition uh, deal sources as well. Uh, in in the business and they're out finding my developments for me and uh, and costing them up and then I'll, I'll give it the once over before we agree on anything uh, to move that side forward obviously it's a bit more as you said earlier you know you get a deck and wrong and it costs you you know you don't want to be just giving people freedom for that but the rent to rent and the managed stuff I do tend to just give give them free roll on that you know so I've shown them how to analyze deals and you know I'm quite comfortable if, if they want to agree the contracts um, the I also have a few external deal sources in the UK who want to work with me, you know, naturally they see me as a, 
probably a you know a good connection, a good JV partnership because they've got deals, they're out hunting deals, and they can bring them to me. Um, so we we've I've done a deal with the deal sourcer recently um, on a rev share on that, uh, and then I've got two business development executives over in Dubai who again are just pounding the phones. Monday to Friday or Thursday to Sunday as it works out there, Sunday to Thursday. Um, and, you know, they're just tasked 75 calls a day, um, you know, get on Facebook and post our, so Faye, my marketing girl, she'll give them ads to post and then they've got to go in the groups and post them uh, just to try and generate their own leads. And then they've got to go and find their own data out there as well because the, the data laws in Dubai are very laxed. So there's databases kicking around everywhere. You can get thousands and thousands of names on Excel sheets. So they're targeted to go and find their own data as well. Mm. Nice. I, I love that you brought us over to Dubai because that was kind of like my next question that I had brewing is, is how did that happen, right? Like there is... For those that don't know geography, there is a big space between the UK and Dubai, and there is a lot of shit in between that you can kind of stop by anywhere else. It's probably more convenient for you, like like Spain or anything in between, right? <laughs> so what made you go all the way to Dubai? Like, how, how um, did it Yeah, I, I used to live there. So oh, okay. um, I, I lived there for a few years uh, back in 2010 to 2012, somewhere like that. Um, and um, we've gone back every year with, as the family's grown and we didn't have a family when we came back. We started a family and every year we've, we've kind of gone back until obviously COVID. So I had the idea about Dubai in December, November, December 2019. Um, so I was out there and um, my one of my good friends who's been out there for sort of 16 years. He's, he's, he's my sort of a guy on the ground out there and um, he wanted to get involved in what I was doing. So we started the traction. Obviously, Christmas came. I went skiing in January, came back to coronavirus kicking off. And, you know, and it was a bit earlier over there as well. So he was like, listen, this is kind of kicking off here. Do you want to, you know, so we put the brakes on it. And obviously, that was the right decision. Um, so I flew back out in December last year. And we just literally picked up the same conversation a year later, basically. And, uh, you know, got everything set up. And and then just being kind of, kind of full steam ahead now for probably last six to eight weeks and um you know we've got some some big plans for for that to catch up what we've lost a bit at the beginning of this year and, and get get it to where we need to be by the end of the year but i just think the market's huge out there i mean i you drive down i don't know whether you've been but you know you, they are building buildings after buildings after buildings i think they just build to park money i don't think they're bothered about getting them rented out they just build them to park a few hundred mil or whatever it is and that's you know these these shakes so they're just building these towers and um there's just empty blocks everywhere, you know? So I was like, we help landlords here with empty properties and make sure they've got no voids for the next five years. Well, why can't I do it out there? You know? And sure enough, same conversations, um, you know, like always, you know, you've, you've always got the battle of change. Like, what is it? How does it work? How's my property protected? You know, you're, you're going to get that wherever you go. These guys are so fixated on a tenant every 12 months and that's all I do. And that's all I've done for the last 20 years. So, we, um, yeah, so it's, it's about educating my staff to be able to educate the, the investors, the landlords, the owners, and then we just, you know, strike deals up, get them set up and then just, they just plug into the management system, you know? So just our, I've got what I call an ecosystem and, and it just, it just ticks away quite nicely. And as we expand, we just have to recruit a few more people. Uh, but you know, the systems are all there and it, it seems to be, it's not perfect. Nothing ever is, but you know, it, it works for us and we continue to improve it and, um, you know, and, and I feel like we do a great job for our owners. For sure. That's awesome. for sure. So when it comes to 
you know, a lot of operators at scale, we have these different conversations about <clears throat> kind of centralizing your portfolio geographically. So for you, like in the UK, are you kind of dispersed? Are you kind of centralized in a couple key markets or what does that look like for you? And how do you identify like what properties make the most sense for your portfolio? Yeah. So I, um, I started obviously in my hometown and then I've got three cities within about 30 to 40 minutes of each other. So I then pushed there and then just kind of moved South really. Um, and I think, if you've got systems and you've got good people with the technology of today, like you don't need to be on the ground, you know, you don't need to, I think it's a, it's a mindset, you know, and, and don't get me wrong. I, I guess you get more confident as you start to move away and be able to, you know, set up remotely and things like that. But as I say to, you know, anybody, the worst thing that can happen is you have to ring the guest up and say, I'm really sorry. I can't get this sorted but I've booked you in the hotel down the road. It's all paid for. Go and check in under my name. I mean, it's not nice. It's going to cost you a few quid, but that's, that's the worst that can happen, you know, if you're, you know, a far remote. So, yeah, so, but again, um, our, I call them operation executives. Or many people call them cleaners, but I, we recruit them on a different basis that they're not just there to clean. Like if we, if we ask them to go to, you know, the local store and pick up some pillows, they've got to go and do that. Obviously, they get paid. You know, if they've got their, they, they might be asked to do errands as well as clean. And that's the way that we recruit them. Um, so there's a, an understanding there. And basically, they become our go to people on the ground. And um, and then as you as you push into cities, you get one, two, five. And then you, you, you get your. You, you need a handyman one time for one property. So you ring him up and then he just goes in your database and then he becomes the handyman for there. And, you know, and it just kind of, oh, it, it, it just generates, you know, it just, it just, it just multiplies. But, um, mm -hmm. but yeah, so it's, it's a good thing. Back to your point on Dubai. The real reason I've done Dubai over all the European countries is because really I just want to go back there quite often. So <laughs> it's more of a, I am a big believer. Now I'm doing the international thing. Like I, I want to go, I want to buy a villa in Portugal. Uh, we and I want to then have that for the family, but then also rent it out on Airbnb when I'm not there, and that'll probably then mean I'll push out in Portugal. My dad lives in Spain, so you know there's there's probably opportunity. Yeah, I got offered a place in Italy um, last week, um, so I think as you get more confident with the systems, we will push. Yeah, I'd like to go over to the states eventually because then it gives you the opportunity to travel because you go check on your business, but you travel in different countries, and that's kind of really why I want to do the international thing. Mm. What, yeah. what does your, what does your day-to-day -day look like? Right? Like, so what's, what do you spend time on? Like, what is your part of this business now? Um, yeah. I mean, you're probably going to hate me on this one, but like, I, I really don't get involved much at all. So yeah. <laughs> I, um, I, I, I'm a big believer. I listened to, um, clockwork, uh, a while Great ago book. and, um, that just changed, uh, that changed my mindset. I've listened to it about five times now, but, um, just getting you out of the business is like the, when I coach my, my students that we always talk about, like, I know you're by yourself right now and I know you've got no property, but we are going to work on getting you out of the business. And they're like, what do you mean? Like, it's just me, you know? So, um, and, and I'm a big believer that like, since you, when you come out of the business and work on the business, your business goes so much further, you know? So, um, my day to day is, 
Uh, I get up early, uh, pretty much 5 a.m. till 7 a.m. is my work day these days. And um, I will just, you know, ping off in our, in our central system. I'll just ping off any, you know, chats or reminders or set any to-dos that I need the team to do that day. Um, and then I pretty much host uh, the, the, the regular meetings uh, around lunchtime, depending on which team it is. And then just, just constantly working on ideas, you know, trying to, you know, attract investors for the developments, trying to, you know, secure the funding for the developments um, and just trying to grow the business with the ideas and where we can push it and how we can make it better. And, but I don't, I haven't got involved with guests since about my third or fourth property because I just, I'm not patient enough. <laughs> so, um, so I needed someone else to do that. But um, I think the minute you can get yourself out of the operations, the more you can focus on really scaling the business. And that's, that's mm-hmm. really shown, I guess, in, I wouldn't have been able to scale to where I have now or where we want to go to if I was doing any more than an hour a week in, in the actual business. 100%. And I think it sounds easy. It's probably one of the hardest things, at least in my experience, to do to kind of let go of that control and make sure those yeah. systems are working, but keep your thumb on it, keep, keep your hand on the pulse of it. Um, but Mike Michalowicz, who wrote Clockwork, I love all his stuff. He had a quote the other day. See, I think he just launched a new program teaching people this stuff. But he said something along the lines of like, you need to start thinking your, of yourself as a shareholder in your business, not even the CEO. Like if you're a shareholder in a business, you're invested in that business, but you've, you've hired the CEO, you've hired the operations manager, you've hired them to, to run it for you to make you money basically. So that when you have that frame of mind, like Ryan's talking about, then you're free to focus on the ideas. Everybody thinks that Steve Jobs is like the icon of Apple. Steve Jobs couldn't code anything. Like he was the idea guy, the visionary that went out and sold the hell out of it. Wozniak built everything in the teams under him, right? But you have to understand that if you want to scale and create a true business like that, right? And that's why I love doing these interviews with folks like you, we've had Julie and James Murphy was on, you know, doing hundreds and hundreds of units, your mindset shifts entirely from this is a fun little side hustle, or I can make, you know, a few grand to 10 grand a month to I'm running an organization that starts to fuel itself. I think um, if you think of how acquisitions happen, like people don't buy companies for the people in them, they buy it for the systems and processes and you know everything that's below it so uh, you know people say oh jeff bezos retired last week or whenever it was i was like jeff bezos retired 25 years ago you know like he came out the operations a long time ago you know so um yeah i think if you can get out the operations and uh, it doesn't matter i think even if you are you know running a, a really well oil business i know uh, you know so, some people that were connected to on clubhouse they've got like five or six units they're happy with that they don't feel like they need any staff and they're making huge amounts of money, and that's that's great. But what if you could take yourself out, then go and get another five of those type of units, and then they run them as well, you know, because it's all just systems. And then all of a sudden, you've doubled your money, and you do it again and again and again. Um, so yeah, I, I think, um, and obviously, it's I, I it's a lot more enjoyable, you know, being able to just lead and and come up with these ideas and then see the ideas play out as well. That's that's probably the biggest thing. Um, and, and then, you know, you've got to go through the struggles and, but I, I, you've also got to protect your time and, and you've got to have your boundaries. So 
it's easy to go, yeah, I'll do that, or just give me that, and I'll, I'll list it on booking.com, or yeah, I'll just jump in. And it's like, no, like, I've shot a load of videos, they're in a Vimeo file, just type in what you need, and you'll find it, you know, and um, don't ring me again on that, because, you know, you're wasting my time. And, and I think you have to, you don't have to be as, as rude as that, but, you know, you've got to draw the line with your staff at times, and just, because if not, if you, if, you, um, if you do something for someone once, guess what happens the next time they've got a problem? You know, they come back at you. And then all of a sudden, you just become a, a, a solving problem person. Whereas rather than say, okay, uh, why don't you go away and try and figure it out and then come back to me with an idea, you know? And then they come back with the idea and say, yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, off you go. And then, and then they start to then just self-generate themselves. Um, so that's been, uh, you know, we talk, that, that's definitely been one of the hardest things. So I think as entrepreneurs, we're like, well, I've got to run the business and I've got to do everything and, you know, no one can do it as better, better than me. And, and, you know, I think we're all the same, you know, and I know when I initially stepped out, I almost felt like I was like, I was like bouncing around the house because obviously it was lockdown as well. So, you know, it was like nothing to do. And I'm like, I don't feel like I'm doing anything. And I almost felt guilty that like the staff were doing stuff and I wasn't doing anything, but you know, it's, I've kind of got used to that now. And, um, and it's and it allows me to obviously my coaching business is a is different business altogether, so it allows me to put a bit of time into that, um, and you know obviously you know network and and just kind of grow the ideas of the business and diversify and um, yeah it's it's been an exciting journey and I'm looking forward to see where it goes and um, I, I love the space. Um, it seems like everyone everyone that you meet that has you know pushed through the pain and like really doubled down and worked hard is, is getting really rewarded for it. And so they should, you know, and we all spin it in so many different ways. Like all our businesses are different, but they all operate under the same title, you know, short-term rentals, but they're all different. And that, that's what's amazing about it. Yep. I love, I love a, a lot about what you said. And it reminds me of a quote that I heard a couple of days ago. I don't remember from where, but as an as an owner, you have responsibilities because every time a manager walks into your office, they'll they'll bring their monkey with them. And your responsibility as a manager is to make sure that when they leave your office, the monkey goes with them. Because if not, if everybody leaves their monkey inside your office, by the end of the day, you have a zoo inside your office and then you have no idea what you were supposed to do it, which monkey was yours anyways. Yeah. Right. So really owning that. And I'm guilty of, of that too, right? Like sometimes when I text my team on the weekend, I feel bad, right? You're like, fuck, sorry guys. Like, I don't, I don't mean to, you know what I mean? But at the same time, it's, it's, it's the nature. You know, we're, of, we're so passionate about it, aren't we? Because yeah. we, don't, we don't see it as a nine or five or a Monday, Friday. It's just, it's just what we do, like, you All know? the time. Like what yeah. day is it? I don't know. You know, it's like, we just do it and we love it. And if it's 10 o'clock at night, if it's five o'clock in the morning, it doesn't matter. We just love doing it. And it's, I, it never, ever, ever feels like work, you know, never. And, um, and I think that's why we, we probably push hard and, uh, you know, it's, it, it is a slog. And I think it's, it's getting, getting the first five properties was probably the hardest, you know, it's easy for me to say, like, I'm quite confident we'll smash 200 smash 350 because, that snowball just gets bigger and bigger and it gets easier and easier. You know, as you scale, you get more referrals, more recommendations, you know, your, your, your brand continues to grow over time and, and you just get more and more thrown at you, you know, and you become an influencer, you become a player in that game. And then that, that attracts as well. I mean, um, you know, speaking on clubhouse, the amount of Instagram messages I get on clubhouse uh, or after when I'm speaking on clubhouse, so like, 
hey, can you manage my property? Or, hey, I've got this property deal. Can you have a look at it? You know, and, and it's just, it's an amazing platform for stuff like that as well. And um, There's so much you can do in this industry. Mm. It's been great. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So we want to be mindful of your time. Where, where can people kind of look you up if they're going to Dubai? Where can they rent a unit from you? Actually, I know a lot of people are going to Dubai to get their to get their shots, right? Because in Dubai, you can pay to get get your shot. So I know a fair amount of people going there for two to yeah. three week rentals to get their shots. Yeah, no, there's a lot of people over there at the minute. the the um, The problem with the UK is if you fly there, even on business purposes, when you fly back, you have to go into a hotel at the airport, and you got to pay like probably two thousand dollars equivalent to do that as well to like self quarantine for 14 days in a, in a crappy hotel in an airport. So it's just madness. But um, yeah, um, official Ryan is kind of where all my stuff is. Uh, obviously I'm, I'm on clubhouse, uh, Ryan Luke and um, uh, all over Facebook. So same, same handles. So um, yeah. And uh, I'm sure if anyone just jumps on your guys, Instagrams and searches the friends, they'll find me. Awesome, man. So the last question that we like to ask all of our guests is what is your number one secret to success with short-term rentals? Um, consistent daily action around the small tasks that make a difference. So uh, put that in perspective. Um, put in a marketing post out every single day on Facebook for the best part of a year and a half, not expecting a result to come back, but I didn't give up when I didn't get any leads. And it's just consistent daily action. And it's the same with everything, making 20 calls a day to agents every single day, even if you're getting told no or rejection. And so just being consistent, I think, you know, rather than I think you see a lot of people, I'll try this. That hasn't worked. I'll go and try that. That hasn't worked. I'll go and get that. That hasn't given me the instant result, you know. So this game, it's not a get rich quick game but you can make a lot of money quite quick if that makes sense you know you don't like in terms of years you know like look what i've done in just over a couple of years you know so you can you can you know make life-changing money in, in that space of time but you're not going to do it in 30 days that's such i'm so glad you brought that up especially in our clubhouse world because every i get a lot of the dms too and it's a lot of like the get rich quick and like you said you can make a lot of money but i i go back to are you in it for the long run? Like, are you willing to put in the work? Cause I know for me, I got my first one that I bought. And then when I tried to do the management thing, I sucked and I couldn't, I didn't get a deal for like it was either six or nine months, but I just kept saying, I'm going to do this until I get a deal. And when you have that mindset shift of like, I will not quit. That's when the doors will open for you. Yeah. You just have to persist. There's so much rejection in this game. Like more, you've probably got 98% rejection in this game. You know, and by this game, by this game, he means life, like <laughs> yeah. all of all of life, like all of life is 98 percent rejection, like regardless of what you think, it's it's across the board. Is that your hit rate with the ladies? Two percent. The last I've been married for 10 years is like minus. I'm like, my, like I'm, I've been on the bench, not even not even on the stats anymore. Right. Awesome it's been, been so great to have you. I think you're super inspirational and super laid back and 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 really a great example of of with the right intention the right why and the right commitment that you can really really scale anything you want and empower people along the way which which it's it's one of the most important things thanks guys appreciate it awesome we'll talk soon take care everybody take care
Hey, STR Nation, if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. And in the comments, let us know what topics you want us to cover on upcoming episodes, and we'll make sure to get that in the books for you. And if you really want to learn how to launch, automate, and scale your short-term rental business, if you want to go deeper, then check out our free masterclass at strsecrets.com.